What's going on, coaches? Coach Lane here, giving you some more great knowledge. So this podcast, we have Coach Allen from Timberlake out in Washington. And we discuss some great things just about sustaining a winning culture, having great discipline within your program, and different items to continue to enhance your learning as a coach to grow and be better. Um, Ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. The more we grow, the better we get. The better we help our players, the better we help our program grow. And that's why Coach's Mind is here to connect, serve, inspire you, and make you think. So for this podcast, we got great information dropping. Coach Allen is bringing some great gems or great nuggets to help you grow as a coach. So sit back, relax, and take notes and enjoy. Uh, in high school, when I played at, uh, at River Ridge High School, um, in Lacey, Washington, and then ended up, uh, when he left, I was the JV coach for four years, um, and then ended up uh, coaching one year uh, at at Evergreen State College, where I actually played basketball there um, from 2002 to 04, um, and then ended up, uh, we went to national tournament, the Sweet 16, under John Barbie, who is uh, the Franklin Pierce head coach so i've been i've been very fortunate enough to be around good coaches um when i coached at evergreen state college we had an all-american by the name of uh nate menifee who was first team all-american um we went to the national tournament and my first year as assistant coach under jeff drinkwine who is now the head coach at northwest university and so um just been around winning for a, a long time um after after that one year at Evergreen State College, ended up going back to Timberline High School and uh, was a JV coach for uh, about two seasons and then ended up being the, the head coach. Um, I replaced uh, Mike Tafoya, uh, who is now currently our athletic director. So it's kind of a small world uh, how things end up turning out. Uh, my Our first uh, six seasons, we actually made it to state. Um, I've had, I've been blessed with uh, two Division One players. Uh, my first year, Donovan Dorsey um, was our, our first Division One player that I coached. He uh, he was six seven, um, wing, ended up playing at University of uh, at Washington, out of high school. Um, then ended up transferring after his sophomore year to the University of Montana and played for Travis DeCur. Um, made the NCAA tournament his final two years at, um, at Montana, so he was successful. And then um, Eric Stevenson, um, he 6'3 guard. Uh, he started off at, um, at Wichita State. Uh, in Kansas, uh, his high school career was pretty dominant. He he ended up being the all-time um, leader in scoring in Thurston County history. Um, led us to a fourth-place finish, uh, our highest finish since uh, 1981, um, when when we took uh, actually 1980 when we took 
state championship at Kevin High School. And then uh, before him, Donovan Dorsey uh, took seventh place at state. And so uh, now uh, in my in my going into my ninth year, we have our third Division One kid uh, who got a Division One offer uh, his freshman year. Um, he had the chance to be probably the best uh, player to ever come out of our school. His name is uh, Brooklyn Hicks. Uh, right now, he's about six two and a half, long, athletic, first team all league, first team all area. Uh, for score, um, he got an offer from Eastern uh, Eastern Washington over the summer, and he's been talking to a lot of uh, Pac-12 schools, um, Big Sky schools, and he he has a ton of ability. Um, so we've we've been pretty successful at at Timberline since I've been here. The last two years we missed state. Uh, two years ago we missed it on a buzzer beater. Uh, to a kid um, from Prairie High School. Uh, he's a pretty good player. Uh, now he's playing Osborne, who was playing at Oregon Tech University. And then um, the year before that, we ended up losing to um, Wilson, who, who beat us. Um, at, uh, we beat them early on in, in playoffs, and then in a winner of the state game, um, we lost to them. And so... Uh, what we really try to do um, every every day is we try to make every day our masterpiece as far as practice goes. Practice is usually very hard uh, compared to you know the actual games. Games are easy. Um, we we focus a lot of our time on deep on the defensive end. Every day we kind of go over the same type of fundamental drills. Um, step slides, taking the charge, cover down, rotations, um, putting guys in, in situations where they should fail. And, um, but they, with the failure comes the teaching. And so we always want to be able to, you know, correct them and, and make sure that they're coachable and be able to fight through adversity. Because a lot of times, uh, a lot of kids have a tough time um, when it gets tough in a game, you know, not, not when you're up 10, zero or, or when you're up 20, 20, 20 to eight or something like that. I mean, like when you're down in the, in the third quarter by, by seven at home and, and to a team that you probably should win against, but for whatever reason, you don't have it that day and trying to be able to fight through those situations is why we make it extremely tough in practice. And then a lot of what we do, uh in the summer is is huge too so we we do uh and i'm sure we're not the only program that does it but uh we have weight room um then we do conditioning skill development after conditioning and then they they usually play you know what i mean um sometimes we break it up into uh, into two sessions uh this summer was pretty pretty hard i mean we were fortunate enough to have workouts this past summer uh, with COVID going on, but in a in a typical summer, we will that's what we will usually do four days a week, and then that's on top of playing summer league and possibly going to a team camp. So last year we ended up going to uh, Oregon State team camp, 
and I thought that was one of the one of the better team camps that we've been to since I've been a coach. Um, it's funny because we actually didn't win a game at team camp. We actually played against some very good competition. Uh, Nathan uh, Biddle, uh, who ended up transferring to Prolific Prep uh, from Crater, and we played him. Um, ended up playing Ben Gregg. Uh, I believe he's at Clackamas in Oregon. And uh, just played great, great teams, you know, uh, that actually helped us prepare for the season. We actually did not have a great start to the season. We started off 0-10 uh, for the first time in my career I ever had a, a, a losing start to a season. Um, we had six, however, we did have six freshmen on varsity this year. So it took them a lot, a while to kind of get uh, used to the, the physicality of varsity basketball, the the speed of the game, and then um, just my expectations. You know what I mean? And so I think uh, the biggest turnaround that we had um, this year was uh, when Brooklyn Hicks moved from being a wing to the point guard spot I mean he was he was pretty good uh at the wing but him making players better around him actually gave others confidence and we ended up um turning around our season and we were two minutes away from going to state this year uh we actually we actually lost to Spanaway Lake this year down a stretch you know um, of, a, of a tight game so um, the, the future for us is promising. Um, I think a lot of it has to do uh, having a winner in culture has to do with, you know, coaches' expectations. If you don't have any, um, you'll pretty much go through a season and, and letting guys come and go as they please. Uh, we, we, we are really big on, on time, being on time. So in our program, being on time, um, if practice starts at 3 o'clock, it does not mean show up 3 o'clock walking into the gym. It actually means being ready to go at 2.45, 15 minutes early uh, means you're on time at Timberline. And, and a lot of times early on in the season is when we have to correct a lot of bad habits. Um, I would like to call them friendly reminders, uh, whether that's conditioning or you know, I mean, we might have a practice that, that goes for two and a half hours, but we might have to stay 30 more, 30 minutes after to do conditioning, to make up for uh, lack of effort in a drill. Um, guys not going hard in, in conditioning, um, not pushing each other, and not holding each other accountable. So uh, I, I think that uh, the group that we have coming, coming up is pretty, pretty good. Um, the expectations are, are going to be high, uh, and, and it's not because of what I'm expecting. It's actually because of the tradition that guys before them have built. And so, like I, like I told our freshman class this year, you know, whether, whether it's fair or not, you know, you're, you're playing in the shadow of, of a lot of great players and a lot of great role players. Um, so that's one thing, another thing that it's, it's hard for kids to understand, to be a part of a winning team, 
you're going to have to have a role. And uh, not everybody can put the ball in the basket, and I don't expect everybody to either. Uh, so we, we need intangible guys, guys that are willing to sacrifice their bodies for the team, taking charges, diving on the ground for loose balls, 50-50. Uh, loose balls are, are, are big in our program. Uh, we actually give Gatorades out uh, for guys who take charges um, day after day after games. Um, also, you know, we, we need we need guys that want to rebound. We need guys that want to set set somebody up. And then um, sometimes you might not have it offensively, but there is no excuse for not bringing effort on the defensive end. So um, we we are a defensive minded team a defensive-minded program, and if you can't play defense, you won't be here very long. So usually a lot of kids uh, will see the writing on the wall, and they'll make a decision to part ways or, or, or move on, you know. And um, it's a tough part about coaching because you want to try to save everybody if you can, but you can't. You know, you can't break uh, your rules for one kid. You know, you you got to have uh, – a strong stance on what you believe in. And I've been very fortunate in, in my young coaching career to have great mentors. So that's one thing I would, I would actually uh, tell young coaches coming in that who you surround yourself with, who's in your ear constantly, uh, can either make or break you, actually. Because there's a lot of times where you might feel like you don't want to you don't want to do this. You don't really get paid that much to do it. And at some point, you're going to, we all, we all are going to find out how much you truly love the game and truly love giving back to kids because it's not about the money. You know, it's, it's about changing kids' lives and, and being that positive role model for them, not just on the court, but off the court. So, you know, holding them to a higher standard, understanding that even though, it only takes a 2.0 to play. If that's your standard, you're not going to be very successful in life. Um, so, you know, we, we really try to push for people's goals outside of basketball. You know what I mean? Trying to figure out who they are as people and understanding uh, that they need to understand that we, we used to be in that situation too. We used to be the guys that, didn't want to go to practice because it was hard that day. Uh, we didn't want to run lines that day, but this is what separates winning, winning and losing is what are you, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to win? You know, and sometimes uh, you have to be willing to sacrifice being cool and sacrifice, um, you know, uh, what somebody might say, say in the stands that has no idea how hard you've worked and practiced behind closed doors in order to be successful. And so uh, <clears throat> we always we always try to encourage guys to go outside of uh, their comfort zone. So we always talk about uh, before a season being comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's huge. But to piggyback what I said about young coaches um, having great mentorship, I was very fortunate enough. My, my inner circle is very strong. So uh, uh, I, I'm very 
thankful for having guys like Tim Kelly at Curtis, who used to coach at Lincoln, won back-to-back championships, won back-to-back championships at at Lincoln High School, and then won won again at Curtis. Also, uh, Pat Mullen um, won a championship at Bethel High School, who's now the Emerald Ridge. Uh, head coach. I actually spoke to him before I got on uh, on this meeting. Um, Jason Kerr at, at Old Day. Um, it's funny, one of my, my very first time at State inside the Dome, the first team that I've ever played against in, in State was Franklin when he was the head coach at Franklin. And uh, it's funny because you know, we we've have we have our relationship has grown over the years, and he's told me many times that I remind him of himself as a young coach, uh, being fiery on the sidelines and stuff like that. And um, you know, I really try to soak up a lot from him. Uh, I've actually been out to these guys' practices before, and I'm constantly trying to learn from greatness. You know, and um, Another guy who is, is, has been in my corner uh, for a long time is, um, is, is, is Carl Howe, uh, who coached at TCC, uh, won championships at TCC, and now he is the Skagit Valley uh, head coach. And so, I mean, there's, there's, there's many more coaches. Uh, John Colley at, at Olympia High School, uh, big, a big mentor of mine, my, my high school coach. Um, Chris Spivey, um, who also has been instrumental of how to build relationships with people, and John Barbie, who now is, uh, you know, the Franklin head coach, uh, Franklin Pierce head coach. These are all guys that I I kind of lean on throughout the season because there's always times where you're kind of banging your head against the wall and you don't really what you're what you've been running forever doesn't work and you want to switch it up. And and these guys are constant reminders of staying true to yourself, and and that's and that's huge, you know. Um, I see a lot of I see a lot of younger guys, um, in coaching that I try to embrace as much as I can. Uh, it's a daily grind, but you'll find out the difference between being an assistant coach and being a head coach when you're just not running just your team. You're running a program, you know. You have to worry about C team, JV, varsity, um, making sure everybody's coming on time to practice, making sure everybody uh, is giving their best uh, best foot forward. If there's ever an issue on a younger team, it's your issue too. You know, uh, we're all in it together. Um, and then also mentoring your your younger coaches and and, and mentoring your coaches on staff and making sure they're bringing their best effort every single day because they're just as valuable as I am, you know, and uh, kind of next man up mentality, you know. And this year uh, I actually had a I had a freak accident to where I couldn't coach the first playoff game against Stadium High School this year. And Jawan Brown, who knows a lot about winning, uh, he actually came to us a couple years ago from Lincoln High School where he made it to state every year that he was there as, as, you know, as an assistant coach. And so he knows winning. And when he moved to the area, I couldn't think of anybody better 
to to kind of piggyback the message that I've had all along about you know hard work, uh, defending matters, not cutting corners. And he actually had an opportunity to be the head coach this year in our first uh, postseason game against Stadium. It was kind of ironic because he went to Stadium High School um, when we both were in high school and graduated in 1999. So that makes me feel old even saying that out loud. And so, uh, you know, he and, and he did a great job. We didn't miss a beat, and we and we won that game. And uh, that's that's a testimony to, to him have, you know, staying ready, you know, never knowing when his name was going to get called. I think uh, a lot of times being a being a head coach, you can get kind of caught up in the hoopla of being a head coach. And I think one thing that helped me out being a, a head coach was when he came and he actually took over uh, a lot of our timeouts. So, so then now that voice that the kids hear every single day in practice, it is – it's, it's not foreign language when he's thrown into the fire in a 20-second timeout or 30-second timeout, I mean, uh, or a full timeout, and we're down one, and we're, on up, we're, we're up one, and we're down, and we're on defense. So, like, he runs the defense. I give him, give him more responsibility, and, and he stepped up. And a lot of times, you never know what someone can do and, until – you know, you, you show that confidence in. And so uh, those are things that that's, that's made us uh, successful, um, trying to build a culture, you know what I mean? Um, I would say the other, uh, besides having good mentors, I'm building a culture for a young coach. I would say um, who you have on staff is, is critical, you know, because – uh, you know, kind of really thinking about who's running your C team, really thinking about who's running your JV because, you know, that's the next step before varsity. And then, you know, who is going to be your right hand man or men, you know, that you're going to, that you're going to have alongside you that's going to piggyback your message, whether you're at practice or you had to go to the ASB office, find some papers, come back in a little late, and they just run practice before you come in, or when it's a water break and you're talk and they're talking to the guys, they're not doing anything that goes that goes uh what we what our backs are. You know what I mean? So so they always are doing what we're preaching day in and day out, you know what I mean? Whether it's in scouting, when we're scouting other teams, you know, a lot of times we're scouting ourselves too and making sure, you know, how are we putting our guys in the right situations? And then, and then as a head coach, having, you know, um, you know, having the ability to take a step back and, and if a, if assistant coach says, you know what, I don't think this is going to work against this, this team, you know, not just shutting them down and just being like, you know, what it's my way or the highway. No, it, we, we all are in this together and we all see the game through different lenses. And so I think that, uh, I think that sometimes, you know, you got to be more open to, 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 
to either running something in a certain situation, running a certain defense in a certain situation. And then even if it doesn't work, you know, having those conversations about how to get better is, is, is the goal, you know? Um, uh, so that's what I would say about, you know, a, a winning culture or, or, or a young coach coming into the game, kind of what they need to do, you know, uh, being very structured in their practices and stuff like that. As far as, uh, you know, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what we like to do in transition on offense. Um, one of the hardest things I think for kids to even uh, understand is the power of the pass. And so what we, what we talk about a lot is kicking the ball ahead and finding the open man. A lot of times uh, you see teams who are very talented, who can't get out in the fast break. It's because when they get it, their very first initial look is down. Their head is down and they're looking at the, they're looking at themselves dribble the basketball. We always preach getting the ball on the run and keeping our head up and trying to kick the ball ahead to the guy who's sprinting the, the lanes. So how it looks like in our transition break, we will have the center, the five man. We always like to label them one, two, three, four, five. So our center is a five man. He likes to, he will sprint to the ball side block. Point guard, right, right or left side of the court, We'll, we'll usually push it up tight to the sideline. The twos, twos and threes are interchangeable, but twos run up the right-hand side, threes run up the left-hand side, and your four-man takes the ball out of bounds. He's your trailer. It's basically the North Carolina uh, secondary break, okay? And then our very first initial look, just like I said before, we want to kick the ball ahead to the two, and then if he has an opportunity to go in for a layup, go for it. You know, the defense is, if they're struggling getting back, you don't see anybody in the paint, be a basketball player, attack the basket, okay? That's the first option. Second option is if that layup is not there, we want to catch. We always want to catch in triple threat, be strong with the ball, pivot. If somebody's on us, get them off. And we want to look for that five-man, pinning his man down low. That's the second option. If that's not there, okay, we don't want to force it inside to the paint. We'll, we'll reverse the ball. We want to end up getting it to the four. So there's two ways of doing it. You can go two back to the point guard to swing to the four or the two just swing it to the four. Depending on where the four man's defender is playing defense, if he's sagging off in the paint, just swing it to the four. Make the four man have to close out. And then when he does, okay, we want to go from the four man up top with the ball and then the five-man, he goes from the ball side block to when the ball's in the four-man spot at the top of the key, we're telling him to pin his man again in the middle of the paint. We're looking for that too, okay? Now, if that's not there, ball reversal, we go from four-man to three-man. So we swing it to the three-man. And then the five-man again goes, uh, we're looking for him again on the opposite block. So that's three times we're looking for our post guy. Okay, on the office on, on throughout our secondary break, right? So as that's happening, the the four man swings it to the three. Five is on the ball side block now, and then as that's happening, the two will work his way down to the, where the five man started off, opposite block, okay, and he will set a back screen for the four man, okay, and then we look for the lob from the three to the four. 
If that's not there, if he if the two man sets a good screen, two guys will go to two to to the four man to stop the lob, and then the two guy will be left alone at the top of the key, and he will look for a three point shot. If that shot's not there, we will reverse the ball back from one side of the floor to the other side of the floor. Ball reversal. We'll have ball reversal. So we'll have two ball reversals in secondary break. Okay, get the ball back from the one, and then the guy on the block is the four man. Post. He'll post up, but we're not trying to look for him. He'll screen across for the five man, and we'll look for the five man again for a uh, for a layup. So that is kind of like the breakdown of our secondary break, but. And then, and then there's, you know, there's, there's so many options in the secondary break that uh, there really isn't anything that you can try to take away that there isn't a counter for. So if we're pushing the ball in transition and you try to take away the two, that's fine. All we do is keep the ball. The one will keep the ball, push the two all the way through to the other side, that, which will mean the point guard will end up being the two. The four man will be the point guard. The three on the opposite wing will be the four, and then the two will be the three. And then we're still in the secondary break, right? Now, if we if we go down in uh, secondary break and the point guard has it, and we can't get it to the four-man, we can't reverse it, and the, uh, the two is denied, we just call four-man denied. Four-man will L-cut to, to replace the three on, a, on the weak side. Three will L-cut to get the ball, and then we're – and then we – we are right back into secondary break, you know, and then there's, there's so many quick hitters off of secondary break. Um, I, I would say the one team that actually ran it to where I could do various options was probably my very first year. That group was uh, pretty good with Donovan's group. Uh, they were very patient, you know, um, <laughs> sometimes, you know, kids, when they see that first look and they're going to take it, you know, so uh, but we don't want to, if, if, if anything, transition. If we're just in a four-on-two, three-on-two situation, we don't want to try to pull it out. We want to try to get a layup if we can. That's our goal is to try to get a layup. But a lot of times kids do not know how to jump stop and and then do a layup. And so we do a lot of fundamental breakdown on jump stop layups, pivots, uh, making the extra pass, and then letting them know if they don't stop the basketball in transition, it's your it's your job. This is your chance to be a little, little bit selfish and go in and attack the basket. Attack the basket. Make them commit to you before you just commit to making a bad play. And so uh, we just want them to be a little bit more aggressive and what they do. Um, and secondary break. And then if you're a shooter uh, and we're not really running secondary break, we want to, we want you to space the floor out and get to one of the corners and have your hands ready to shoot. Because a lot of times when you drive in, uh, you collapse the defense and then, you know, good players, uh, all league players, studs, they find a way to make others better. So we really, you know, I've been really trying to, uh, Donovan was really good at it, at it early on in his career. Kind of figured it out going into his junior year. Uh, and Brooklyn's kind of already got it. Is 
the quicker you make somebody else better early on in the game, they'll have good coaches are going to adjust, you know. And so, if you want if you want your uh, opportunities later in the game, be you know make everybody better around you, and then they'll adjust, you know. Or going to come out and and try to score, and then a, a coach is going to adjust, and you have to adjust your game too, you know. And so. Um, this is this is something that we we try to do a lot of film on. So we'll 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 basically film practice, running the secondary break. A lot of times we'll do a five on all at first, and then we'll put JV out there, and then we'll run it on JV, and then and and then when you can get to more options when you're running it varsity five on five, because everybody knows what's going to happen. So now if somebody takes something away, it should be automatic. And when it's not, that's when us as coaches will will jump in and, and be like, uh uh-uh, uh, you didn't make the right read. This is this is when the coaching gets involved. You know what I mean? And so uh yeah, man, that's pretty that's pretty much us on um uh, on on our culture and um us in um transition offense. Coach, you man, you got my brain going, man. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I I I love this stuff, man. You know, uh, I think uh, one thing that we like to do too is uh, we like to go to a lot a lot of coaching clinics. You know what I mean? So like, so like now now that there's you know COVID's been going on, there's been a lot more Zoom stuff, Zoom clinics and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I I like them. You know what I mean? But a lot of times, what I like to do, what I've been doing, is I've been seeking out certain coaches that run stuff a certain way and then I've been trying to have zoom meetings with them and taking notes about well why do you do this or what do you, what would you do in this situation what would you do against a box and one what would you do against a triangle and two what would you do against this and then and then you know I'll ask a coach here and there like you know give me your best out of bounds play or give me or give me your best last game, late game situation uh, play for three or for, or for a layup or to get a big a shot, you know what I mean? And so uh, I think that's how I kind of approached it. And so, like, I've, I got a chance to have a – I met with Coach Kerr about his motion offense. Then I met with uh, John Kiley at Olympia about what he, what he likes to run against boxing one or triangle in two. And then uh, I met with Kefrey at, you know, assistant coach at Seattle Pacific. And, you know, I was just kind of asking him about, well, what do you do? What what are you running when guys start kind of face guarding and stuff like that? You know what I mean? And, and I mean, this is, this is like the power of, you know, connecting with, with multiple people is when you do that, the, the options are limitless of, 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 of getting what you what you need you know and and, and i'm and i'm not saying that you shouldn't go to clinics because we always go to clinics but you know why not use some of the coaches that you meet at the clinics and have other smaller meetings and pick their brains there, there's a lot of legendary hall of fame coaches that are still coaching that are just walking around with so much knowledge in their brain i want to know you know what I mean? Like, I want to know, like, so I don't, so I don't, I don't sell my kids short, you know what I mean? And I, I want them 
to get the best of me and I want them to get the best experience possible. And so if that means me taking an hour or two out four times a week with coaches, and it's not just coaches in our area, coaches in Spokane, you know what I mean? Coaches in Oregon, you know, whatever it means, I'll do it, you know, because, you know, that's how much, you know, we care about the kids. We got to get better as coaches. We can't expect the kids to do all the work. We got to get better as coaches. Well, I, I agree with that. I, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm a hundred percent that that's my mindset, but I know some coaches that don't do that. They just, <laughs> just go and yep. coach. And right. uh, man, I, I, yeah, there's so much more I want there's so much more I want to I mean even I would like to do an X and O clinic on on uh, on some of the stuff that we're talking about I mean you just you got my brain turning man you know what I mean you just yeah, got man that's, that, that, it's, it's 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 crazy because in high school what I've noticed I've I got a lot of stuff that I can give kids in a season, but it, it really does matter. It really does determine on what type of team you have. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, if you don't have a team that can remember a lot of these things, they don't don't overload them. You know what I'm saying? Like, keep it simple. You know what I mean? But if you have a team that, that might not be as athletic, but they're hard workers and they execute, well, I can do a lot with that team. Now, we might not, we might not make the shot at the very end of the play, but they'll run the play all the way through. You know what I'm saying? They won't get sidetracked. They won't get, uh, oh, well, well, that was there, right? Like, I thought you said, no, no, you still got to be a basketball player. And that, and that's the thing that, like, you know, it's, it's kind of the gift and the curse about having a really talented team. Like, in the back of your mind as a coach, you're like, and I would love to coach a team like Garfield or a team like, Lakes or a team like Foss or Wilson or something like that. But then, you know what? Sometimes certain guys just aren't ready to coach that type of team. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you're not, if you're not going to hold them accountable, you're not they're just going to run all over you anyway. hundred percent. You're not 100%. ready. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, so it's just like, it's, it's that, it's man, it's that old you... TLC, man. Don't go check the waterfalls, dude. So you know my, my... if you're not, if you're not, to everything else so my question real quick is with teams like lakes and your Garfields and all that are you willing because i, I from what at least my knowledge is teams like that you got to have there's got to be a couple of hostages in that process because a lot of those cats that i know of and in, in my might be a small world they struggle with the discipline off the court which sometimes right. leaks on the court mm -hmm. <clears throat> right no it's true uh I think that uh, a lot of times what what ends up happening, man, is set in stone early on, and they don't have they don't have the structure from the very start. Yeah, then it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, and it, and and that and what that means is there's, they're the, they're going to test you to see if you're really about it, or you are you just talking. Out, out your, you know what, and it's uh sometimes you're gonna have to let them go, yeah, to prove a point, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, and then and then and then if and if they, and if they are gonna come back, they're gonna come back under your terms. Yes. Or yeah. or we're done. Well, I have you know what I'm saying, and so because I have an example I saw over the summer, 
and I'm not going to name the, the coach or the area. Mm -hmm. Anyways, you'll probably get it when you hear this. Right, they're, right, 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 right. I hear you. Their recent – their player from this school just transferred to Garfield. Um, he's a shooter. Um, okay, uh, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> I heard mm -hmm. uh, in the summer I saw that he, he literally walked off the court, and he was like, man, I'm done with this shit. I'm tired of y'all. Whatever the case is, he was just yelling. He left the gym, grabbed mm -hmm. his bags, man. I nothing against the head coach, but he told his assistant to chase him down, grab him, bring him back, and still started him in the second half of the summer league game. I said, Oh no, you can't do that, bro. It's a wrap. You're not you're not gonna win no more. He he is now in control of this team. Well, yeah, you know, I, I and, you know, it's it, what's unfortunate about that is, well, now the kid thinks that he's bigger than the program, right? And then, and then what, what ends up happening is now that he's going on to uh, bigger pastures, I would say, is uh, once he gets a, held accountable at his next spot, because he is going to be held accountable at his next spot, it's going to be the biggest culture shock of his life. Yes. It, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then so, but, he, like, the kid's so talented that he is going to go on to college and he is going to play. If he doesn't get the discipline now, this year, he'll never, he'll, he'll, he'll never get it. And, 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 one, and one other person who went from, like, uh, a Blanchett to Rainier Beach and, you know, he changed a, a lot attitude-wise was uh, – I love this kid too. Is is Cunningham? Oh, really? Sam Cunningham. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, like, you know, he kind of had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder coming in, and and you know, Mike and and Mike was not he's not having that. And so, but you know, I think he learned he learned it right away. You know, at a, at an open gym. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's it, it's tough for a kid that's had his way with uh other 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 guys and then uh now now they're being held accountable to a higher standard man if that makes sense you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a it's a it's a culture shock man i can go all day about this stuff coach i can but my internet sucks and so <laughs> it's all good man i want to i'm gonna link up with you again over text um and i just want to see okay. if you give me other coaches numbers i can reach out to and, and even just pick your brain <clears throat> man. i i I want to help other coaches with this, what I'm doing, okay. uh, but I also want to grow uh, as well as a coach. So I'm going to link up with you since I have your number and hopefully we can get over the phone and talk too. Okay, man. That sounds good, man. I appreciate it.